All right, welcome back to the Up and Running Podcast. I'm your host, Mike, as always here. Joined with me is Justin, a.k.a. Turkey. We are the Up and Running Podcast. Thank you for always tuning in with us because when you get up and running, we're right there with you. Justin, how are we doing this week? Fantastic, baby. What a good weekend of sports. Got a lot to talk about today. We do. Jam-packed schedule today. Uh, listen, NFL is king. NFL is uh, – someone mentioned this today. Uh, Shout-out to Barstool's uh, Trent Ryan. Trent Ryan said it's the – most widely accepted social currency, which means if you sat up to the bar, you can talk NFL with anyone. So, Justin, let's kick it off. NFL, what a slate of games we had. Uh, some interesting, interesting storylines we're going to dive into, no doubt. Uh, listen, if you are following us uh, on Spotify, wherever you find your podcast, also find us on X. We are at Up and Running Pod. Let Justin know what you think. Let, I, let myself know what you think. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts from the NFL games this week. Hit us up on X. Justin, what did you think of the NFL this week? Well, you had three games that just were absolute uh, tight, um, you know, within seven points, or one game was within eight, but but the big story is, is that, uh, you know, out of all the games, the Houston-Baltimore game was close at halftime, and Baltimore came out and, you know, they remembered who they were the whole season and said, we're going to show them what's up. Um, Houston just didn't have it. I don't know that they necessarily had it in the first half, um, but just getting walloped in the second half. Uh, CJ Stroud should be proud of himself. Had a great season. You know, he just he ran into the buzzsaw that is the Baltimore Ravens right now. They have taken down everybody in the last few weeks here. Um, they've beaten anytime somebody calls somebody a great team, they beat them. Uh, they took Houston, and uh, I mean Houston played a great game in the first half. Just really held held Lamar down, and then the second half it was just on. Just a lot of a lot of good defensive football, um, and, and you got to remember Stroud's a rookie, um, but really, yeah. But he also showed that he wasn't. Listen, he got exposed too. I mean, he couldn't handle the blitz. He couldn't handle the pressure. I also think, listen, and I will come to his defense for a second before I get you know uh, uh, everyone roasting me on Twitter or X. Listen, Stroud is a rookie. I understand that he has zero run game. The Houston Texans cannot run the ball at all. And so Stroud had to make every play, and that's tough. I understand that. But he also struggled against the blitz. He struggled making quick decisions, and he struggled handling that pressure. Yep, yep. Um, and, I, you know, funny you bring up that. Uh, you know, they're a team that's ready to win now. And, you know, there's a pretty good running back out on the free agent market right now in King Derrick Henry. Um, definitely after watching the game, you know, this weekend, I really think that could be a landing spot for him, even though it's interdivisional. But um, definitely, I, you know, I, you know, you tweeted me during the game, he was getting exposed, and I agree with you. I also, you know, remember he is a, a rookie who was who did something that no one thought he was going to do in year one. No one turned around Houston sure. after a superstar leaves, you know, regardless of the circumstances. But he, he did his thing, and in some of those games he really showed out and played – you know, a lot better than a rookie would. Um, he know, did. He and listen, I'll, I'll give credit there. He did. He, he's played well all year. Played mm-hmm. way better than I ever expected, right? Uh, you know me. I'm, I'm, a big, uh, I'm a big advocate of how quarterbacks don't come out of Ohio State. They don't come out of USC. And I thought he was going to do the same thing. And he surprised me to no end. He really has. Uh, so I, I got to give him credit there. The Texans are struggling in the run game. And, and we have our first roll tide mention when you bring up Derrick Henry. Uh, so count that minus uh, under five minutes. If you had the under and the under over on when the first Alabama mention was, congratulations, you win. Uh, but no one likes to bet the under. 
Hey, uh, la- uh, you know, just a quick note on C.J. Stroud. You know, last week they won, and he went out there and played a great game. And uh, it's kind of irritating. I- I'm going to bring this up now. NBC edited his answer to the first question from the announcer. Um, in-, in-, in today's world, we're living in a world where, you know, the, con- the countries are at war. There are bad things going on. You know, everybody's indifferent with the politics. And NBC cuts out when C.J. Stroud mentions his Jesus, Lord, our Savior, Christ. Takes it out, completely doesn't apologize for it, has no clue when 95 to almost 100% of your audience has faith. And I just, it's absolutely amazing that now we've, we've gone from, you know, church everywhere, Jesus, God everywhere, to now we're even editing out of our players' live interviews after games. Absolutely yeah. disgusted by NBC there, and it wasn't needed. And what I what I got so frustrated with was it, it was what three and a half, four seconds maybe. I mean, it, yeah. it, it wasn't like he was going on 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 a rampage or a sermon. It was he was acknowledging something that's important to him. And and wherever you are, if you're a listener, in whatever side of the coin you fall on when it comes to faith, uh, you know, obviously you guys have heard episode one. You know where Justin and I stand. But it's four seconds. It's really that important to you to edit it out. And, and like you said, to create this controversy and stir this up and also to deprive that young man of being heard. So now you've silenced his voice. What are you doing? Yeah, just a just – a, it's, it's not a bad decision. It's not a poor moment. It, it's exactly what NBC wants. I, I don't believe for a second that there was any reason to do that. Um, you know, Mike and I, you and I talked about this. I had doubts as to why, like just in the beginning, like what are we doing here? Was it was it something that was needed or they thought was needed in the beginning? Um, and it wasn't. It, it had nothing to do with anything other than they didn't they didn't do what they were supposed to. So, you know, it, it it's one of those things that it's not is what it is. Somebody's got to stand up for for this and in the, in the hypocrisy that's going around in, in TV and in every it's everywhere. But enough about that. Um, no, and listen, and, and and if you're following along, this is going to be something that Justin and I touch on. Throughout the year, throughout all sports, it's going to be a hashtag do better. I, I'm a big believer in do better, be better, it, it, be better people, be better humans, be be kinder to each other, be humble. So you're going to have some hashtags. We're going to do segments on do better. We're also going to have the first time we ever mention a Roll Tide person or Alabama because that's going to be over under probably set at five minutes every time with my uh, my wonderful co-host. Again, he's Justin Turkey at Bama Turk on on X. I'm, I'm also on there at M squared 11. You can find us. We are the up and running pod. Thank you for listening, Justin. So let's get past that Texans game. The Texans took, took a bad loss, but again, like you said, ran to a bus off the Ravens. How about that second game? Uh, Green Bay had a chance. Green Bay had a chance to pull off this major, major upset back to back weeks, having pulling up offsets. Justin, they got down on the end. Why couldn't they accomplish it? Jordan Love. Jordan Love, absolutely. Um, he took the game away from him. And, and <clears throat> you hate to blame a quarterback for making a bad pick. You hate to blame one player on a team. But they really, the defense stood strong. Held, held San Francisco to 24 points. You got a chance. You're driving. You make the, the number one sin as a quarterback in football. After your time in the pocket runs out, you throw it across your body. You throw it across the field to – Four defenders, and and one of them's going to get it. It's just who's going to get it, right? Whose number's called that day? Um, you know, Chris McCaffrey had 98 yards and two touchdowns. Just an absolute beast. 
you know, and, and Debo Samuel goes out. Brock Purdy has to do it on his own, and he he has a great drive late that people will, will live on and say this is just absolutely amazing. <clears throat> I'm not taking anything away from Purdy. His numbers show that you can't, but he has a superstar group of guys around him. Um, and when you look at the rain and all that was going on there, you know, both teams had to play in it. And, and everybody on that field played hard. That it, it's tough. You know, you're talking about sure. driving yeah. rain, windy, yeah. terrible conditions. And you know, one of the announcers brought up Purdy's got small hands. The ball gets wet, gets slippery. Yeah, that all that happens. But sure. <clears throat> it happened that way for Jordan Love too. Jordan Love didn't do a bad job. He made two bad mistakes, and that's what cost him. The 49ers, though, and we'll get into this about another game too. <clears throat> Excuse me. Had a pass interference call that saved him. And one of the things we'll talk about in a little bit is should that be a spot foul or should it be a yardage foul like it is in, in the NCAA? But they got bailed out there with one of those, went down there and ended up scoring. Um, you know, just a, a really good fight from Green Bay. Every, when, when everybody expects it you was. to lose, it was. you go in there and you, you take it to them. And I think LaFleur's a big reason for that. Um, and and I, I don't think – I don't think anybody will deny that him and Rodgers could have done some good things, but uh, Rodgers and him probably were a little hard-headed going in it, and Jordan Love's like, I just want to learn and do well, and boom, there you are. You're playing in the divisional round of the playoffs. Yeah, and speaking of, speaking <laughs> of that pass interference call, so we're going to put up a poll on our X account. Uh, when this when this episode does go live, uh, we're going to put up a tool, poll. What do you think? Should pass interference be at just a 15-yard penalty, or should it be a spot foul? And for our listeners who, who might not understand what we're talking about, if if receivers running forty yards down the field, runs a nine, deep ball's thrown, and the DB's just beat, just cooked, burnt, beat, he has an option of diving out there and tackling that receiver to to, to make a pass interference to where they don't catch it and get an easy score. Should that be fifteen yards or should it be a spot foul? That forty yard gain or is that gonna be a fifteen yard gain? That's the poll up on our X. Check it out now. So Justin, what we talked earlier, right before the show, and we were talking about you brought up a really good point. You said something to where if the play Jordan Love makes, even if it works out, it was a terrible play. He's gonna get he's gonna get chewed out in the locker room. If he doesn't, if he if he makes a play, great, he gets chewed out. If he doesn't make the play, he's getting chewed out. What are you referring to there? What what thought is that when you when you're looking at that from an analytical side? <clears throat> well, the game's not over yet. Okay, so he just he made a bad decision when you when you run away from your throwing arm. Okay, so he's right-handed. Or to you running arm. He's right-handed. He's running to his right. Okay? So the throw is from the middle of his chest to the outside, to the lines. Okay? He took the ball, and he's coming back across his body. His whole body's going to the right. He's trying to get the ball to the left. He has no momentum. And and unless you have an absolute cannon, and, and I there, if there is one, it, it's not around now because nobody is saying that's a good throw. Um, Patrick Mahomes has made it many times, but his receivers were in space. He threw it to a crowd of San Francisco 49ers players. That's a young quarterback mistake. Um, And no matter how much you learn it, you're trying to win the game. You're trying to make a throw, an impossible pass. It just so happens that's the one pass from the time you start playing quarterback until you retire that you are definitely told you don't make because of what happens on the backside. Everybody knows the defenders are already coming up because you can't throw it long. So any deep routes, any go routes are out. And you've already had five, six, seven seconds in the pocket. And if you if it's broken down, then 
the cornerbacks, the safeties, the linebackers, they know that. They know it's not coming backside. So what are they doing? They're moving more towards you. And when you go make that throw, they beat the receivers to where the ball is going to be. And then yeah. it's a pick. And then now, now here's the here's the other part about it. It was two bad plays in one. He makes the pick, and the linebacker that intercepted it, oh, he's like, I want to get a pick six. You can't run that ball back. Get on the ground, kneel out, and the game's over. Oh, gosh, I'm just sitting there like, fumble, please fumble the ball. This is going to be hilarious. I'm going <laughs> to die laughing right now. Oh, it's just a – but – no, Jordan shout out on that pick, though, because that, that, it's all about the angles, right? He runs, He's running to his right side, running to his arm, arm side. All the, It's all about angles, bad angle. Shout out to all the guys in the group chat that know about those angles. Shout out to uh, to Jerron. I know he's listening. He knows about the angles as well. So, again, horrible play from Jordan Love. And, again, we saw not only some late-game mistakes there, but, Justin, when we get in the next two games, we've seen some bad late-game management in both of these, bad late-game mistakes. But, but on this linebacker trying to run it back, again, get on the ground. What, what are you doing in the game? In the game, get a dub. It doesn't matter. This is not the regular season patent stats trying to get whatever you want to get. We're going to talk about stats later on. We get in the NBA. There's, a, there's an interesting stat that I never knew of that when it comes to individual player performances and individual player awards, stay tuned for that. Again, with the Up and Running Pod, he's turkey. He's getting fired up. I'm your host as always, Mike. Thank you for listening to us. Listen, so – Tell us what you thought about the NFL games, what you think. Again, follow us on X. Check out that poll that we put out there. So we, we, we talked about the games on Saturday. Now you got the 49ers advancing. you got the Ravens advancing. Justin, there's another team advancing. The Dan Campbell train is moving. Yep. Leadership wins. He got a dub. Talk <clears throat> to me about these Lions-Buccaneers game. Well, you know, you, you go into it and you're looking at – Two quarterbacks that were drafted uh, fairly high. Um, Jared Goff was the number one overall pick for the Rams. Gets traded to the Lions in a switch with Matthew Stafford. You know, a lot of people put him down. It's like you're out. Um, he's got he's got two two or three rookies this year that are absolutely just shining when they need to shine. Uh, Jameer Gibbs had 114 yards, 74 on the ground, 40 in receiving. Um, you know, just just absolutely great. Roll Tide. Here we I go. Watched, That's I watched two. most of this game, and it was 10-10 at the half, and I was like, man, when is the offense going to come? Because you really don't think of Detroit and Tampa Bay having great defenses. Detroit has a good defense, don't get me wrong. But you're thinking, okay, they, they you know, 14, 21, something like that at half is kind of where I was at. And then it's only they only score seven in the third. It's 17-17 going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, part of football – and this is uh, this is from one of my former coaches and uh, now a friend, Robert Levy. But one thing that we always talked about at halftime in games was adjustments. You sure, know, you got to. You, you have to you make know, y'all know, y'all know I love Alabama, so obviously I know a lot about the way Saban does things. And if you watch his games, anytime they struggled, you'd be like, well, how come they're not making an adjustment? They didn't make adjustments in the first half. But at halftime, he'd whip his – notepad out and he'd make all these adjustments and it'd be a totally different team in the second half one thing that that at this point okay at this point in in life when you're in the nfl you can't wait that long to make adjustments and what happened was is you didn't need to make adjustments you weren't getting torn up in the first half you weren't getting torn up in the third quarter but dan campbell said we got to put we got to change this game up somehow so he makes an adjustment And, and one thing that robert said you know that he put out there was he said 
You make an adjustment, okay? But you got to be willing to make the adjustment to what they're going to do when you make the adjustment. You have to be ready for their move. So it's like playing chess. You can't just play move, 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 move. You got to play two moves ahead of them. Exactly. And and Dan Campbell did it. And another game you can't beat me at chess. <laughs> Todd Bowles, Todd Bowles ain't ready for the playoffs, buddy. You can't. You down. You down eight points, and you go for two. If you kick the, the extra point, you're down seven. What was you trying to accomplish? You could win by one. What was he you was trying just, to accomplish? He was just focusing on the weather and how great it was inside that dome after that bonehead yeah. reporter asked that's him what the weather reporter. in Detroit's going to be. I mean, give me a break. I mean, he's, what, I think he's, I think his quote was, "Football's going to play inside dome here for fifty years." Good for him. Good for him. <clears throat> but he makes that call. Yeah. Okay. Awful. He makes that call, and it's like, okay, well, this is dumb. Yeah. One timeout. Now, oh, y'all see that? One timeout left. It's third and 12. They take a knee. There's 35 seconds left. And Todd Bowles goes, this was his answer either yesterday or today. Now the game was over. You could have taken a timeout. It was 35 seconds left. Why hold on Why to it? Why are you saving it? What good to put in your pocket? You got 30 seconds. How much? Alabama wanted one second on the clock. Auburn takes it on the kick six. Dallas Cowboys took a timeout on a Thanksgiving Day game. Fumble the ball. The Redskins take it for a fumble recovery touchdown. One second, that's all you have to have. If it's just a play, give him a chance. But take he could have run out. three or four plays there. Exactly. Fumble a snap, anything. Anything. People do it this in matter. a regular season. What are you going home with it for? What are you going home with it for? Hey, what Actually, what are you going in the offseason with it for? Are you going to trade it in for a mulligan on the golf course? What are we doing here? Oh, it, that was just terrible. Horrible, Horrible coaching. Management. Horrible, Horrible coaching. clock management. But again, I just... I, I, like I said, I, I'm a big fan of leadership. I think Dan Campbell is rolling. I think his leadership is and, – and listen, in-game adjustments, I think he's not getting credit. He's getting a lot of look for his leadership, in, in which he's a phenomenal leader. But he's also a very good in-game coach, I believe. Oh, Dan, I've told you this, and I've said it on this podcast. Dan Campbell is one of the smartest coaches in the NFL. You know what he said? So so I went back and watched his, uh, I believe it was during 22, they did hard knocks. And this is what he said. You know, they were hitting, live hitting. Most, most teams don't hit as much as the Detroit Lions do. So here's the thing. Your job on defense is to pursuit and tackle. If you don't practice tackling, you're not going to be ready until week three or four. So we're going to go ahead and get it out the way and learn what we need to do oh, wow. to tackle better. He said it also helped you with injury. If you're getting pounded every day, okay, from getting tackled, from getting blocked, all this physical stuff that we do in the NFL, when it comes down game time, you're not going to flinch up. Your body's ready for it. You know, you've built that muscle tissue around. You're good to go. And, you know, very rare, very rare that you find a coach that is a hard coach who wants to beat you, who wants to make you play better, but who's also as smart as he is. He might, like in the Dallas game, you know, he went for two, penalty, went for two, got it back, went for two. I get all that. But let's not forget, he got it on the first try. He went to win the game right then, okay? Yeah, yeah. He might do that, and if would it matter if he's a second seed? No, he's still playing in the NFC Championship game, so it don't matter at this point. But he does things. Those guys believe in him, and he believes in them. 
And we've said that, you know, we said it in the yeah, first episode, point. and we'll say it again. That guy good knows point. how to coach football. He does. And if, he does. And if it's not this year, it won't be long. They'll get all the pieces they need, and they will be where they want to be. Yeah, so, they did. Good hey, listen, I'm, I'm rooting for uh, – we're going to save our picks to the end of this podcast. Please stay tuned. But I'm rooting for them. I'm rooting for the Lions. I, I like what they've done over there, and I'm a big Dan Campbell fan. So, uh, shout-out to the Lions getting the win over the Bucks. All right. Arguably, maybe the most anticipated game, uh, what some call it the revenge game. I definitely called it in the group chat. So, set up the stage. Buffalo had a chance to pull off this upset, right? Think back. Buffalo loses an OT against KC, and Josh Allen did say, I never even got a chance to get the ball. OT rules have been adjusted. Everything set up for the Buffalo Bills to get their revenge game. And, Justin, they just fell short in true Buffalo Bill fashion. I, I mean, honestly, we, we, we talk about this so much. Sometimes your heart just goes out to certain fan bases, and boy, Buffalo just 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 wake up with heartache. I mean, what else is there to do? Shovel snow and, and have heartache. Just smile. Just just know you woke up another day that they're sitting at home like your Miami Dolphins. There's a team that I cannot root for ever, never, will never happen, and that is the Buffalo Bills. Not just the revenge game. Buffalo traded Kansas City with the pick that they picked Patrick Mahomes for. Okay. Buffalo has never hosted Kansas City in the playoffs. That game on Sunday... I really thought this was Buffalo's year. I said I they, they go they go put it together. Yeah. Kansas City's been struggling. And I've said this many, many times about certain teams. Certain many teams times. just forget forget who they are. Kansas City woke up Sunday morning and remember who they were. When they I don't won. know. I, I, I think Casey's played way better than they played on Sunday. I, no, I don't not, think that I'm they not were saying that. that. Yeah. But I can't. They had to grind it out. Patrick Mahomes had to make a few plays. Pacheco, Pacheco went lights out, over 100 yards total. Just so what? So great. what? It wasn't well, that good. Buffalo gave them gift after gift after gift. We're going to get into it because you know one thing that just drives me insane is bonehead special teams plays, especially from kickers yeah. and punters. Oh, I know. I Kelsey mean, what has are we two doing? Scores. I mean, there are things in this game that Kansas City did well that they shouldn't have done. They haven't been doing well all season. Again, I, I go back to they're playing the num- number two team in the conference, and they scored 27 points. What more do you want? I mean, they Yeah, but you're talking about Buffalo better. had drop balls after drop ball on deep balls. I mean, you're talking about, I mean, big-time play stepping up that, I mean, Josh Allen, Josh Allen is hitting them in no better place than the hands. Use your hands, feet. What are we well, doing here? Catch the football. They wouldn't be sitting at number two if what you talking about Kansas City did. Kansas City probably dropped more passes than anybody caught in the league this year. They're horrible. Oh, Their receivers are horrible. Hey, Travis Kelsey's worried about what number one hit Taylor's going to play tonight when they're sleeping together. <laughs> and my gosh, his receivers couldn't catch a cold all season. You're talking about, well, Buffalo had dropped passes. Okay. I mean, he's dealt with this all year. They finally start catching balls. He finally settles down a little bit. When the pressure got to him, he made plays. Okay? 
And How about the bottom this one? How about is this? As long as the Bills lose, I don't care if it's two little sisters of the poor. And the referees <laughs> give them everything. <laughs> That's turkey for you. There we go. Getting him fired up. I know PJ's listening. I know PJ's happy right now. Sharing turkey with the world, I think, is a quote he gave us. So, But here's my point with, with it. Casey didn't go out and win the game and, and, you know, come back and make these miraculously stats and all these kind of big numbers and this high-octane offense. No, Buffalo get Justin, in the fourth quarter, down in their own in their own territory on the 30 or roughly around the 30, we fake punt on like a third and five. What are we doing here? Well, okay. Th- that, so, had very, that, that was the game. Honestly, that was, it was game over. Buffalo didn't that give is Buffalo. Sean McDermott gave him a gift. And I made this comment tonight. I was – it's the Buffalo. That's Buffalo. Well, I understand that, but that—that's not. They didn't make. They didn't have a problem. He didn't throw a pick. He didn't fumble the ball. The coach called the dumbest play. Agreed. Okay, fair. If fair. if the coach called it. Now I told you earlier. Yeah. Um. Today, here's the thing. So sometimes when you have a situation arise on a punt team, it's an automatic fake. Okay. Kansas City only had ten guys on the field. I don't know if they have an automatic fake, but you've got to think as a player. We're not calling this in the playoffs in the divisional round against our hated rival right now because they're more rivals than, than Miami is. Okay, we're not calling this. And we're especially not giving it to the guy that died on the field last year. Well, that's just really a brain play, isn't it? Okay? But, but I made this comment. I made this comment earlier to somebody, and I said, you know, for that call alone, I'd fire him. I would too. But McDermott has gotten them to the playoffs, just like McCarthy's gotten Dallas to the playoffs. But do you want a guy that's only getting you here? Would you rather take a chance on somebody else? See that—that's where I. Well, here's my point on though. But see, see I'm on a different side. I think it's—I I agree with you that he should be fired. It's a terrible call. Whoever made the call, whether it was him, was coach, punter, Hamlin, it doesn't matter. Whoever made the call should be fired because that's a horrible call. If it's third and one, or excuse me, fourth and one, I understand. Fourth and five, it was fourth and seven almost, fourth, some fourth and mid-range, let's call it, right? And you make this call, and it was horrible, in your own territory. It wasn't like it's at the 50. This is like on the 30. What are we doing here? Now, again, I have no problem with a fourth and one and Hamlin getting the ball. Hamlin getting the ball is not the problem to me, I, honestly. I, I mean, th- thank, you know, I'm very thankful that that, that young oh, man is yeah. with us today. No, yeah. I know you are, and I'm just—I mean, I'm just just shouting that out. That I'm very thankful that he is, and what a miraculous comeback! But again, if he made the call, fire him. It's horrible. Yeah. What are we doing? What are you hoping to gain by that? You're still down. Punt the rock. You're you're literally telling your defense out there, we got no faith in you. And then we don't get it. You got to turn around and look at that same group of eleven and say, hey, go stop them. And boy, what a gift they got by the fumble touchback. Uh, that that would have sealed the game. The game's over. If he scores there, game score, it's over. Yeah, and I, I, honestly, you know, a lot of people bring up a controversy on that rule. I don't, I don't think it's that, um, it's that bad. At the same time, I, it is kind of rough. You drive ninety nine. Let's say you start on the one, you drive ninety nine yards, fumble it in the end zone, you they get a touchback. But I mean, that's, well, what do you want it to be? Just start over, or yeah, you give you back know. on the goal line? Yeah, I don't know. It's, I don't it's know a great rule with that. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, don't I, it's fumble. not a problem for me. Yeah, my, my thing is, is, if you don't get there and you, you fumble in their territory, where they get it back, let's go. Um, yeah. You know, but going into the fourth quarter, they were up four. They didn't score. They only scored a touchdown in the second half. So it was 13-17 at half. They only scored a touchdown in the second half. 
you know, the fake punt, that was terrible. The fumble, you know, should have helped them out. They didn't do anything. But, but here's the big thing, Mike, and I think this is something that people have probably made a comment about, and if you really study football, you should understand this a lot. Kansas City had the ball for 22 and a half minutes. Okay. Wow. Okay. That leaves 37 and a half minutes for Buffalo. Mm-hmm. So Kansas City's offense must have been rolling 27 points in that little bit of time. And, and Buffalo had almost twice that. I mean, it was, you know, it's one of those things that I look at and I'm like, I didn't realize how much more time Buffalo had the ball. Yeah, time of possession is a big is a big factor. That's a good point. I think a lot of people miss that. We don't hear that a lot. I think time and possession is a huge factor. But again, it's also with time and possession, there are teams that, you know, run crossing routes, run, you know, they're getting the third down just about almost every uh every series. And I think I, I heard this from Tony Romo seventeen thousand times on the broadcast that Buffalo is the best team in the NFL on third down. It's because oh, yeah, they get to yeah. so many third downs because they run short plays. They they don't go for the deep ball a lot of times. They took some shots in the game, this one in the late game, and I understand because they had to. But, again, you're talking about uh, they're the best team on third down. Was that because they get so many third downs? Is that what we're talking about? So, But past third down, let's get to fourth, where I really have a problem, not only with the fake punt, but what are we doing with games on the line? You have one job. You're a kicker. You have to kick and make field goals. What are we doing? I know we're going to get into this in the in, in Super Bowl week in the offseason because we talk about it. It riles me up. You don't have to read blitzes. You don't have to worry about audibles. You're on. You're at practice kicking field goals. You should be kicking field goals. You should also know what the weather's going to do. Know which way the wind's blowing. What are we doing here? I, I, I'll give the guy credit. He said, look, it's on me. We yeah, know that. It. The wind, we the wind, saw the flags you. weren't even moving, so he shanked it. Uh, so real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring I'm gonna compare it to baseball because we just we just talked about this before the show about the Hall of Fame, uh, Mariano Rivera, your man for the Yankees, um, I believe he missed some saves back in 2004, um, but sometimes you just have a bad day, okay? The, the kicker for the Cowboys is one that I want to watch, okay? You talk about you have one job. He has one job. He came over from rugby, and I think he went. Um, I think he was perfect this season when he when he when they signed him. I honestly think it was perfect. I can't remember um, the full stats. But it, even if the wind was blowing and it was that 20-mile-an-hour gust coming across his face, if he kicks it left and it dies a little bit, it's wide left. I mean, it's just it, it's it's a tar- terrible position to be in. I, I would say that your point is valid a lot of the time, and we talked about replicating this scenario. You can't replicate what that means, especially to a young kicker. Um, it, it just the, the pressure is going to mount, and you're going to do something silly. And and when in those conditions, I mean, he's not Vinatieri. You look at what Vinatieri kicked in for the Patriots' first Super Bowl or the Patriots' first AFC Championship game against the Raiders, right? Um, or Tucker, Justin Tucker now. Yeah, uh, Justin Tucker. Yeah, I mean, there there are kickers out there that are better. There are kickers that are like Mariano Rivera. When you need them, mm-hmm. they're going to show up. But, but not here's my point: though. has that. But when you talk about you can't replicate it, I understand you can't replicate the exact moment, but you can find ways to put pressure on yourself, right? We're all, we all have imaginations. We all can come up mentally. My issue is this. Why are you ever in practice or in warm-ups ever kicking without your shoulder pads on and your helmet on? Why? Your weight's off. Your distribution's off. Your vision's going to be different. If you're not kicking in full gear every single time because you're never going to kick 
without that stuff on, why are you kicking? What does it matter that you can make it wearing, you know, shorts and a hoodie? Who cares? Who cares? I agree. And, and for practice how you that, play. That, practice how you play. Mike Mills played zero downs of football in high school. Not true. Well, in high school, yeah. In high school, yeah. Okay. I've, but the the thing basketball is, Mike, and baseball. I think, I think it's one of those. I think it's one of those big things that it's just it's hard. I mean, it's not easy to do it. Obviously, um, I think McAfee's had what now fifteen people come and try and kick field goals on his uh, college game day thing without anything on, and nobody's even close. Sure. Um, it's just. But it, they're not know, professionals. They don't get paid to do this. Yeah, but this is someone. Not, this is their job. If I, if, I if McAfee showed up at your job and had to do your job exactly the way you do it, to your level and standard, the minute he showed up, could he do it? No, he can't. He couldn't come do my job. I I can't go kick field goals because I'm not a professional doing it. My point is, fine. Let's all say it's the same comparison when you pull someone off the street who can't kick a field goal. Of course they can't because if they could, they'd be trying out for things like that, right? My point being is. That's not their job. Take that kicker and bring him to my job and see if he can do what I do. See if he can do what you do. He can't. I can't kick a field goal. I know I can't kick a field goal. But what I can do is sit here and say, you're a professional getting paid thousands, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Sorry. I, I, I don't. I, I no longer have sympathy for that. Now, granted, I'm not saying they got to be perfect. You can miss kicks. I understand that. But what I'm telling you is this. You chose a profession that's going to have a very small margin of error. If you want to be someone who gets it wrong on time, be a weatherman. <laughs> That's Don't very true. Me. But let's 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 leave with a positive note on that because we're about being kind. I will I will say this about Josh Allen. There's not much good I'm gonna say about him as far as a player. Don't know him as a man. But what I can tell you is this: is that I, I saw this as this is the man part, not the player. Bass misses a kick that sends him to the AFC Championship game, and the first thing Josh Allen does when the game is over and they're leaving the field, is he goes and waits for him in the tunnel. And he puts his arm around him and consoles him in. And what I have to say about that is that is, that is a true character trait right there for not only the, the quarterback, which is that's what he should be doing, sure. but just the man in general of what, what matters to him because it's a football game, folks. And I know we don't have very many Bills fans that listen. We're based in Houston and Richmond, but but I can tell you what I'm reading online about these Bills fans and what I've seen posted, absolutely disgusting. Uh, y'all weren't ready to kill your quarterback, Jim Kelly, when he missed four Super Bowl chances to the NFC East, the Giants, twice to the Cowboys and the Redskins. He wasn't on a murdering block because people realize it's a football game. Exactly. Yep. Josh Allen went and showed a lot of a lot of character, and I, I tell you, I've, I've never heard anything bad of him outside of football. I just don't like him because he's so stinking good, and he's in the Dolphins division. Um, but no, I'm glad, listen, I'm glad you bring that up about Josh Allen. That's an incredible leadership point. That's an incredible leadership uh, aspect from Josh Allen. I'm a big leadership fan. And listen, I am not the one that says, like, the kicker should be fired. No, I, I don't think so. You're going to miss kicks. I understand it. My point of that is you do have one job. You're going to have a lot smaller margin of error than anyone else on the field because when the game is on the line, all eyes are going to be on you. It is what it is. But you knew that going in. You knew that when you chose this profession. You knew that when you signed the contract that there's going to be a time where the game's on the line and you've got to execute. It is what it is. It's the same thing in golf. It's the same thing in baseball when you talk about a closer. They're going to blow saves. It happens. Everyone's, everyone's human. We're all imperfect. 
it, it happens. I'm not going to say this man needs to be perfect from every single time. But what I'm what I'm saying is practice how you play. Show up and understand that you're, the game's on the line. You have a very small margin of error. It is what it is. Now, I do not I, – I, listen, I'm with you on the Bills fans taking it way too far. It, honestly, that's – Fans take it way too far. We forget it's a game. We forget these are human beings. Uh, we forget that this is entertainment for us. It, if it if it makes you so riled up that you know you're gonna threaten physical harm or bodily harm on someone, calm down. C- calm down. Not what are we doing? Important. It's well, not that important. But go back just to review real quick. Houston Baltimore blowout. But you had three great games going into championships. We did. Yeah, we did. Absolutely, we did. just. And, and people be like, well, great. They weren't great. There was mistakes. Well, uh, two of them were played in cold, cold, rainy weather, okay? And one of them was played in snow and cold, okay? And then, you, of course, you had, you know, Detroit, which apparently has been playing in the Dome for 50 years, just as Todd Bowles, he knows. Um, but definitely a good a good divisional round. Can't wait for a championship weekend. We'll get to that a little bit later. Um, definitely nice. True that. Yeah, picks are come. Same by Pace to come. All right. So we're going to hit a couple uh, – we're going to do a little bit of whip-around coverage here. We're going to hit a bunch of different sports, kind of do a little rapid-fire session with Justin and I. It's our first time trying it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, this is going to be a quick segment that we're going to do right in the middle of the podcast. If you like it, we'll keep it. If you want to make some tweaks, let us know what you think. So, Justin, one thing I wanted to bring up, because you have a topic that you want to discuss and I have one that I want to talk about. In women's basketball, college basketball this week, uh, Ohio State upset Iowa. Now, for those that don't know who play for Iowa, Caitlin Clark, uh, arguably one of the greatest college basketball players uh, of our time, of our generation for sure, uh, maybe of all time, is playing. They get beat. Ohio State storms the court. Now, I blame Matty B for this because I blame most Ohio State things on him. But an Ohio <laughs> State fan charges the court, and the the video cover looks like kind of checks Caitlin Clark. Maybe they run into each other at the same time, bumps them. I'm not going to speculate on what happened and how it is, but Caitlin Clark goes down and was down for, you know, longer than just didn't really pop back up. Uh, could have caused a serious injury here. What's your thoughts? So I'm, I'm real big on storming the field, storming the courts. I think it's great. I think it brings in the fan atmosphere. You're talking about college kids. If they're doing this pro sports, it's a major problem because pros don't care. Colleges don't care about you either. They just want your money. But – when the students are storming the field or storming the court, I think it's great as long as we are reminding ourselves that, you know, there are players still on the field generally every time. I mean, just as Stanford and Cal, the band was storming the field and the game wasn't even over yet. The issue I have with it is things are going to happen. So let's not, let's not forget things happen sometimes. But you can't injure a player. No, can't. she she could have she could be out for two weeks with a concussion. She yep. could have she could have broken arms. She could, some bad things could have happened. And a lot of people will come back and say, "Well, yep. she reached her arms out." You know, I, I don't see where you could see that she was being malice. I think two people were running off the court. She had her head down. The girl was in her cell phone. Boom, they collide. Okay, it's an accident. That accident can't happen. If you hit a referee, if you hit a coach, I don't care. You can't hit a player. Correct. Like, and, yeah, because Ohio State security should have known. Five minutes left to go in the game. If it's a chance, you better be ready. You have to know that there's a chance this could go south because that's, that's just the way it is. Things right. happen. But things can't happen to the best women's college player in today's game 
when the, the rest of the season is still upon us. Sure, agree. Yeah, you can't you can't risk injury. I, I, I listen. I'm of the mindset of accidents happen, and we should show a little grace, right? We should show a little a little yeah. mercy on that when accidents happen. However, if it gets to be a problem, because I'm a big fan of storming the court. I've st- I've stormed the court before. I, I I've done it, but I was also I had my wits about me. I, I I had my head on a swivel. I had situational awareness, which definitely is lacking in today's world. But I had situational awareness then. And I showed, and I was looking out, make sure I didn't hit an opposing player or whatever. Because again, I wanted to go celebrate and cheer with my other fans, with cheer with the team. Caitlin Clark's also doing the right thing. She's trying to get off the court. She's she sees it coming and is trying to get off the court. Bang! They hit the fan. It is an accident happened. My concern is that this gets escalated and this becomes something to wear because, just like you talked about with the Bills fans, uh, fandom is escalating. Fans are getting a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more. Uh, I think I saw the this, this snowball throw at Mahomes when he was trying to give uh, some type of either the wristband or something to a KC fan on a road game. That's great. That should be part of the game again. KC goes on the road and gets a win, and Mahomes wants to go give it to one of the road fans sitting in a in a rowdy Buffalo stadium, and yeah. we're going to throw snowballs at Patrick Mahomes' head. Why? No what, what, what are we, do- what no are we doing? Got no problem with the snowball. Uh, it's no, it's awful. No, you bang him in the – listen – you're, 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 I mean, you're if you're they're throwing the ice balls, I'm sure. But but a snowball. I mean, listen, the th- listen again. We're gonna go back to Ohio. They're not the Cleveland Browns booing or throwing trash at the referees coming off the field. Okay, I, I have uh, so fair, fair, fair. But but here, I'm gonna let you finish your point. Cause, but I want to make sure this is clear before you before you fire off. I'm not saying the snowball is the issue. I'm saying that the intention behind it. If there's malice behind it, and you're trying to hurt Mahomes. I have a problem with it. If it's yeah. playful and it's fun and it's a snowball and you're just tossing it down there, that's fine. In today's world, I think that you can say there's a good chance there's some malice behind that. Oh, now, I don't so. I don't think there was any malice behind the Ohio State fan. I don't think anyone was trying to injure Caitlin Clark. It's an unfortunate accident that happened. We don't all don't need to get it bent out of shape and say no one can ever rush the field again because that's awful. Because now you're taking the fans out, out of the pageantry, out of the robbery, out of the – the celebration. And so I don't want that to happen to you. So let's not all overreact. But to your point that you're going to fire off, and if there's malice behind it, I have an issue. Yeah, so it just just – the NCAA has already tried to stop this. And the schools have said, we'll pay the fine. Okay? It's not going to stop. I think if another incident and another incident and another incident happens, well, then we're going to have some problems. But I don't think we'll get there. The Caitlin Carter thing is over with. Um, hopefully the lady tried to apologize, did something, whatever. Uh, just be, you know, pay attention when you're going out there. As far as the snowballs, have no problem with it. I've, I've, I've been to games where this has happened, and it's just it's one of those things that if you play in a snow game and you're the away team, you better be ready for it. It's coming. You know it's coming. Yep. You know, keep your helmet on when you're t- going off the field. Like understand again, situational awareness. You know what's going on. Sure. Um, but yeah, um, I mean. I, the Caitlin Clark thing was a little rough, but they'll get it straight. All right. So, from one great player to the next, uh, Justin, you were schooling me something earlier this week uh, in the NBA. Uh, Joel Embiid is up for a couple awards, and, and I think he's the reigning MVP. Uh, Justin is way more of an NBA uh, fan than myself, uh, follows it more than I do, so I'm going to let him take this away. Justin, explain to our listeners what you were schooling me on when it comes to the number 65 and why that's special. Yeah, so the NBA has implemented a new rule back in October that says every player must play 65 games, a minimum of 20 minutes per game, 
to get any single award. So that's first team All-NBA, that's MVP, that's Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, all that, blah, blah, blah. Embiid scored 70 points last night, sets the 76ers record over Wilt Chamberlain. Um, He is in danger of not making the 65 game minimum because of injury. Uh, They do have a season-ending injury of 62 games that, you know, she get a three-game break there, which is is still not enough. And then if he plays two games under 20 minutes, they have to be at least 15, so two five-minute less games. So let me me, me ask this. Let me me summarize this real quick and make sure I'm understanding. So you're saying that the reigning MVP is in danger of being not considered for individual awards because he hasn't played 65 games. And if he had an injury... They're only going to give him a three-game break. Yeah, so it's really he's he's got nine games to miss, and we're halfway through the season. You can so he's already missed eight. Um, it, it's very troubling because he doesn't take days off. He was legit injured. He, he has injury. He's injury prone. But you have guys um, like Labum and others who take days off because they're tired, or they need to get more rest, or or, you know, my tummy hurts. This guy goes out there and fights and plays, you know. It, it's, it, and that's what's embarrassing about the NBA right now. You are forcing players to play when they're injured or, or hurt and really shouldn't be playing and need that rest day um, because your product sucks. You will never see a minimum in the NFL for any award. You will never see a minimum in, especially not hockey, but that's a that's a different sport in general, and and baseball is another one. I mean, these guys take days off in baseball, like there's no you know no tomorrow. They take them all the time. But as far as Embiid goes, he takes it off when he's hurt. He's probably going to miss the 65 mark, and he won't be in consideration for anything. And here's the here's where it matters. Okay, here's where it matters. Granted, all these athletes get paid too much money anyway. All you know, we got it. They, the owners got it, so they pay him. It is what it is. But you can miss out on a super max deal. So you take a guy that deserves one, Joel Embiid, if he's up for contract, and he plays 64 games, he can't get a super max because he can't get the first team All NBA, which is the only players that can get a super max deal. Wait, so you're saying you're saying that if Joel Embiid had this been a contract year, had this been a contract year, he wouldn't be eligible. The, a, a reigning MVP wouldn't be eligible for a super max because he didn't play enough games. Yeah, so if he doesn't play 65 and it was a contract year, they could hold him, withhold money from him out of the Supermax deal. And, and that's because he didn't get an accolade, like a first-team first right, All-NBA. So first-team All-NBA players are allowed to get a Supermax. Um, if anybody wants to correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they're the only ones that can catch a Supermax. Um, but it might be if they, if they were on first-team All-NBA like within the last three years. But I know they have to have a first-team All-NBA to catch the Supermax, and it is – it's tough for a player like that. You know, when you've got Jokic out there that claims the same position, first-team All-NBA, between you and him, and he played 82 and you played 65, going to be tough to give you the award. You know, it's going to be tough to give you that spot. And, you know, that that's that's part of sports. You know, the, the best ability is to be, you know, is availability. Yeah. Um, but you, you see what NBA does. And I'll I, I tell you, Mike says I'm a, I'm a fan. I love the NBA when good basketball is being played, and Embiid plays great basketball. And so I'm going to add some. Uh, I'm going to add some fuel to the fire here, Dustin. Why do you think the NBA is even doing this? Why? Why institute this rule? Why? Why have a need for it? 
because people like LeBron James take days off and don't play when they're healthy. I am sick. You play 82 games. Yes, you're old. I don't care. Again, we'll, we'll take Mike's uh, example. You signed a contract for 82 games a season. Either play the games or retire. But stop hanging around so you can play with your children and do all this stuff. Either play basketball or move on. Okay? And it's not just him. There are other players that take days off. But they're not taking, you know, they're not taking seven, eight games off for rest. What do you need to rest from? You make $50 million a year, which is a drop in the bucket to what you make on your other businesses and commercial deals and things like that. I would have a masseuse every day. I would need, whatever I need would be right there. A driver, I don't need to think. I'm a parent, and I'm going to play basketball. Is it that hard? Like they, they act like they're in the coal mines digging coal for three days straight. Man, I need a break, Doc. I can't go four days in a row. It's ridiculous. Like, just play the game. Never. Play never. the game. I love it. You heard it here first. He's Justin. I'm Mike. This is the Up and Running Pod. Let us know what you think about Justin's rant on the NBA. Let us know what you think about mine. I've gone kickers and having only one job. That was a quick round segment that we had. We want to we want to touch on topics throughout the year. So if you have something that you want us to, to talk about, or you have a hot topic debate, or maybe you're in a group chat with your friends and there's a debate that you want settled, hit us up. Here at the Up and Running Pod, we'll do our best to settle it for you. Justin, big, big story in the golf world this past weekend. For those that's not following, an amateur, Nick Dunlap from your Alabama Roll Tide, Nick Dunlap goes out, competes against pros and against some of the best in the world. Uh, Rory McIlroy was in Dubai winning. Uh, shout out to Rory on, on his comeback, getting a win. But uh, the rest of the field was star-studded here at the American Express Tournament out in California. And Nick Dunlap is an amateur, 20 years old, at Alabama. And Justin, he pulls off something that hasn't been done since Phil Mickelson did it back in 91. Yeah, so... Man, you want to talk about a roller coaster ride. The kid just came out shooting lights out. You know, he, he goes Thursday, Friday, which are normally the uh, calm, you know, shoulders are feeling good, let's play some golf rounds. He does his thing. Saturday, he comes out and dominates the golf course, shoots 60. Okay. Justin Thomas, also a fellow Alabama golfer uh, back in the day, who is back, he, way back. Feeling good, you know. He he comes out. I believe he shot. Did he shoot sixty one? Um, I think he, he shot sixty one on the same day Dunlap shot sixty. And his quote was, "I knew I was ready and I was feeling good, but I didn't think I'd have to beat a college kid today shooting 60. So Dunlap, Thomas, Burns, Sam Burns from the University of LSU, uh, are in the same final group. Thomas goes off early. He's 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 out. Dunlap's down two. Burns is uh, Burns is up two. You know the the top two guys in the last uh, last tee time there, and it happens. This isn't the only course that it happens at. But so let, butt, let's the, yeah go ahead no go 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 no go 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 go. The old, the old butt got puckered up a little bit, standing over his tee ball as an island green. And he takes the club back, and he knew it when he was coming down. He had a whole chunk of monster come get him. And he just, in just disgust, 
slams the club and walks off to the caddy and goes, blah, 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 blah. words we won't say on air. So here's the thing, though. But back up, back up a little bit because you're talking about. So, so for those that didn't follow, so Sam Burns has the lead after the weekend. He shoots 61 uh, on Friday, <clears throat> and then this is a tournament that's played over three different golf courses. You play fr- uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you get the chance to play each one of the golf courses. Everyone in the field plays the same thing. Then they have the cut, which is not normal style for a golf tournament, and then they all play together on Sunday at the same course. So. Sam Burns uh, lights up, shoots 61, gets up the leaderboard, who, again, Ryder Cup guy. Uh, JT shoots up the leaderboard, another Ryder Cup guy. And here's Nick Dunlap, smooth and steady. Shoots 61 as well. Shoots, uh, no, 60. Shoots 60 uh, on Saturday, the same way Justin shot 61, so he didn't have to compete with a uh, college kid shooting 60. Nick Dunlap shoots 60 and has a three-shot lead going into Sunday. Standing on number one tee is a three-shot lead. Somewhere along the front nine, he makes double, double bogey, which is two over par. And yep. Sam Burns makes a birdie, has a three-shot swing, eliminates his lead, and now he's tied. Nick Dunlap lost the lead at one point and then had to play chaser. So what stones from this kid? What? Oh, yeah. I mean, you talk about – they interviewed Saban. They interviewed the golf coach. Of course, they're going to interview Saban on NBC. It was, you know, give me a break. How much more can we talk about this? This guy, give me a break here. But Nick Dunlap showed up. He heads to 17, hits hits a great tee shot on the green, and here comes Burns, like you said. Chunk of Monza got him, and he puts one in the water, and now he's got to take his drop. So now Sam Burns got to collect himself and try to get up and down here. So then one hole ahead, South African, shooting lights out that day, yeah. is on 18, gets within one. So now Dunlap's standing on the 18th, 18th tee box. He's got a two-shot lead over his playing partners and doesn't realize he's got a two-shot – he's only got a one-shot lead over the rest of the field. And so now it's an intimidating tee shot on 18. You, no doubt you've seen the videos. Justin Thomas with the club twirl. It's a beautiful draw. Dunlap puts one right in the fairway as well. The kid has got moxie. Now, he – well, he blocks his tee shot right. I'm sorry. He blocks his tee shot right on 18. And they're walking up to it. And JT has a hilarious quote says, pretty sure he's a spectator. It, and not those words, but he says, what are the chance? And, and Dunlap says, what are the chances you think I hit him? And JT was like, I mean, I'm just saying. There's a whole bunch of spectators over there. And you block one right, you're going to hit somebody. So now Dunlap's got to try to get on the green. He hits it right. He gets a heck of a kick and ends up short. So now set the stage for you. Nick Dunlap is, is right side of the green and not the best lob. He's got a decent line. Got a lot of green to work with. He's got to get up and down. And two shots, that's what an up and down is. He's got to get up. He's got to make par. And if he does, he wins the tournament. Justin, roll tied. What stones this kid hit? Hits it to like six to seven feet. Yeah. Got a six, you know, six footer up the hill. Back of the cup. Incredible, incredible golf to watch this weekend. Oh, it, it's probably, I mean, it gets you excited. You know, it gets you excited. He's also the, only one to win, win the junior and the U.S. Amateur. Um, Tiger's done that. You know, he's the youngest since Phil Mickelson. He's doing things that guys we grew up watching have done. Um, you know, Phil won as an amateur. This guy's won as an amateur. This guy has dominated some golf, though. He hasn't just won this tournament. 
Um, uh, well, he won this tournament as a pro, but or as an amateur, and it's a PGA Tour event. But he has won some amateur stuff that's pretty amazing. Um, he shot you know, fifty nine at, at at twelve years old. At twelve years old, he shot a fifty nine. He's got a lot of decisions. I shot that on the front nine. Yeah, he, he's got a lot of decisions in front of him. Um, you know, it's a, it's a big thing. The question, the question for me is, is how much, how much money can you get while you're still in school? Because the NIL deals would allow for somebody to really take take care of them, um, whether it be a you know tailor-made who that's who he uses. Um, I'm sure they might have a li- little something in his pocket because they can do that. That's legal. Um, so where where do you go from here? You're guaranteed. Uh, I think Mike, you've done the done the work on this. What what, what can he play in? And, and so where now, can he play? Yeah, that's a great question. So now he he was already guaranteed in the Masters by winning the the U.S. Amateur. You're already guaranteed a spot. By winning a spot, if he turns pro, in theory, he would have lost that amateur status at the ma- – well, not in theory, but he would have lost that amateur status at the Masters. But since he won, he gets a spot regardless whether he turns pro or doesn't. So let's say – let's play both sides, right? Let's say he doesn't turn pro. Justin, he still has the ability at the end of the year, if he decides to ride out his season in Alabama, he can turn pro before the end of the year and still have his tour PGA Tour card through 2026. That's what he's looking at. Right now, he also has exemptions into the Masters, the Players, the U.S. Open, and the Century next year in 2025. So you're talking about big events that this kid can play in, and if he turns pro, he gets into all the signature events. You're talking about the Waste Management Phoenix Open in a couple weeks. You're talking about uh, the Memorial, Bay Hill. You're talking about big events that he can go play for real life-changing money if he decides to turn pro. So what came out... So let us know what you think, if he's going to turn pro or not. You're going to hear Justin's eyes opinions. What came out earlier was he was going to play in the Farmers Insurance Open. He withdrew. And he said, listen, I want to take some time with the sink in, talk to family. I, I did read an article from his coach that his coach is going to be in those discussions as well. Justin, what say you, Nick Dunlap, talking with his family, is he going pro or no? I, I, I don't know that you do. Um, you're going to get a sponsor's exemption anywhere you want to be. Okay, here's here's where here's where I think a good point was made. If you turn pro, okay, you, you can't do all you can't be there with your buddies, okay, at school, all right. And for what what would the money be? How much money does the sponsor will give you? Well, guess what? They can give that to you in college. The next question is, if you go play the Farmers Insurance Open and let's say you shoot 78, 82, 76, 84. Well, did you have one week of good golf, or are you a good golfer? So you don't want to tarnish what you have. Go go finish your season in Alabama. Get some NIL money. You're going to get it. Everybody wants a piece of you right now. Make sure your flame doesn't go out, and turn pro when you're ready. But but the, the biggest thing is it's like this with guys that get drafted into the MLB, okay? The MLB has a clause in their draft process. If you... Forgo College, the team that drafts you has to pay for four years of education. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. So they have to. It's. It's. I think it's up to the fifth round. All right. Okay. Comes rounds in baseball, but still. Wow. If that if that dollar sign on that uh, contract is life changing money, and just just so everybody understands, life changing money to any human being that, or most people that Mike and I grew up with, if it says a million dollars, you're taking the money. 
at that moment you're taking the money. If that signing bonus reads a million dollars and you make $2,000 a month, I'm taking the million dollars. You can work a part-time job. <clears throat> and with the clause that they're going to send you to college, that's, that's it's a no-brainer. A no-brainer, okay? So for me, I think it's I think it's lining up where all the dollar bills fall for him because obviously he's going to turn pro at some point, but it's lining up where the dollar bills fall and what he wants to do with his life. You yeah. know, you don't want him to be like Michael Block where you had a good week and then you fall off, and now you have no backup plan because you, now you can go back to school, I'm sure, but you, you have none. Or you can stay in school, make X amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, play golf, and then go turn pro. You're not going to miss out on anything from now until then. You're, you're eligible to play in any event you want to play in. Sure. They're going to give you the sponsor's exemption. You know, for me, it's just what, what do the dollar bills say? If nobody comes running in the next two weeks and – you know, there really isn't anything for you. Well, then you got to make a move if you if you're worried about the money, because you know you got to strike while the iron's hot. Um, at the same time, you don't want to strike too fast. You got to got to let some things settle in. And I think I think he's being smart and not taking the rush of going to the farmers insurance open. I think it's a good idea to yeah. sit with coach, sit with the parents, figure out what you're going to do, and go and go from there. Um, so listen, I I I agree. I think he turns pro quick. I do. I don't think he rides out the rest of the year. I, I don't see the point of going to the Masters as the amateur or going to the U.S. Open. He also is a, a, into the uh, the Open uh, that's played across the pond. He also is an exempt uh, into play in that as an amateur. So I understand the point of going to the Masters as an amateur to be low amateur. You get a chance to, to, to be in the cabin. You get a chance to uh, be there with the winner. You get to talk to iconic Jim Nance. But my thing with that is he won a tournament. It wasn't like he finished in the top 15 and there was a cool story. Great. This guy beat out pros. He already did it. He's been playing high-level golf for a long time. Again, like you said, the only person to win the U.S. Amateur and U.S. Junior Amateur was Tiger Woods, and now it's Tiger and Nick Dunlap. So this guy is in rare company. Also, right now, strike where the iron is hot. I thought it was a smart, smart idea to withdraw from the Farmers Insurance Open, take this week off, be with your family, Enjoy the win. Here's the thing. We, we, we blow past wins so many times. Say, what's next? Because it's, what have you done for me lately? Well, what's next on the calendar? Well, that's great. You won that. What's next? What else you got working on? We do that in the professional world. Jobs do that to everybody. You're talking about that it happens in the sports world. You won a title. What's the offseason look like? How about we enjoy the title? How about he enjoys his American Express win? I think he turns pro. The next signature event, if he turned pro, now keep in mind, he can get in the signature events. The next signature event, is the uh, the pro am eighteen t Pebble Beach pro am and then followed by the Genesis. So I think he turns pro right around one of those two. Maybe maybe if he wants to play Pebble Beach, he gets in the Pebble Beach pro am. If not, he goes to the Genesis and he goes hangs out with Tiger, where he has a great photo opportunity. Come on, if you're telling me this guy goes and plays in Tiger's event in Genesis and doesn't have a side by side photo with the the only two to ever win the U.S. Amateur and U.S. Junior Amateur, what are we doing here? I mean, give me a yeah. break. But I think he does turn pro. I think he takes some time to decide, talks to his team, tells his team, I don't want to let you guys down, but this is a dream of mine. I'm going to start my professional career early. And Justin, strike while the iron is hot because TaylorMade is going to ink him to a deal. He wore Adidas out on the uh, course. I think he had Adidas hat, shirt, and I think he had shoes on as well, if I'm not mistaken. So sign sign the contract, life-changing money. That will be in the hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm, I, I have no doubt, combined, obviously, with whatever he's got going on. Turn pro. And, and let's see what's going on. I heard a 
with that, him turning pro, he's a, he's one of the young gunners, right? You know, you talk about uh, uh, Ludwig Aver, uh, with uh, who played on the Ryder Cup team for the Europe team, and some other young guys that are out there. This young wave of golf is really, really good. You know, you talk about the the track mans, the the shot tracers, the all these data analytics are coming in and making guys play better golf. I mean, 180 ball speed is is nothing new anymore. You know, and and that's what these young guys are playing at. So, uh, congrats to Nick Dunlap. Congrats to the family. I thought they had a great interview. The mom was, uh, you know, absolutely adorable. As, as as you know, shout out to all the moms out there. And so I think that was incredible. Uh, good kid. Hope he plays well and hope he keeps playing golf. Uh, you know, what else can you say? Yeah, no, it was a good weekend for golf. Um, you know, you had Justin Thomas making his roaring comeback. He's had some great finishes, T3 at the tournament. Rory wins in Dubai for the fourth time. Just absolutely, um, you know, he, he knew what he had to do down 10 in the weekend. Um, gets to within two on Sunday and comes back and, and beats uh, Cameron Young for the win. So, you know, really absolutely great. Um, one thing I did want to bring up, Mike, for me, I, I love watching, you know, golf where they're playing, they're making good shots, they're hitting putts, they're sticking them tight and all that. But 30 under, whoo. Um, you know, when you get close to 30 under, it's like, does the golf course even have a chance? Yeah, it's a putting contest. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I don't. I don't necessarily need to see, you know, the U.S. Open every week, but I'd like to have something where they're, you know, I'd like to have them, you know, not – if they're going to annihilate a course, make it early in the season. So this isn't bad. just cannot be the norm. And we can't get there, um, you know, with the technology the way it is. And obviously, everybody's heard about the ball rollback now. But, but with the technology and the way it is, guys are getting that much better. Again, the track man, everything that you can do to prepare for a golf tournament – um, just hope that's not the wave of the future on some of these shorter courses that, that aren't grown up, that, that are, you know, not necessarily wide fairways, but they're not tight. They, you're not in trouble, and you're not in trouble when you hit in the rough. So, wasn't a fan this weekend. How about you? Yeah. Yeah, so listen, I, I, I understand no one wants to see uh, 30 under golf. I, I don't have a problem with it. I like seeing great shots. I like seeing a bunch of birdies. What I can't stand is when we play, you know, U.S. Open-style conditions, on other golf courses that's not the U.S. Open, and greens are bricks and nothing holds on them. I can't stand that. I'm all for grow up the rough, tighten the fairways, and make guys hit it better off the tee. Make them have some irons in their hand. Have, you know, drop down to three wood, five wood, whatever you're hitting. I like seeing shot making and shot strategy. That's what I want to see. I want to see guys having to fade the balls and the next hole having to hit a a big sweeping draw. Like, I like seeing that. I want to go see the creativeness. Bring back that stuff. But don't make the green like a con- like concrete to where you're hitting a cut eight iron into it and the ball won't hold on the green. What are we doing here? What's the point of that? Because that's no fun for anyone. I mean, what's it doesn't matter what club you have in your hand, the ball's not going to hold on the green. Don't make the green the part where the course fights back on. Make it, make it farther tee boxes if you can. If you can, I understand. But make it growing up the rough, uh, tightening the fairways. Make that the challenge. Make the greens fast, obviously, but at least let them hold. I mean, this whole we're not going to water them at all on Saturday and Sunday and have them dry out. For what? For what? Yeah. I, if you hit a cut eight iron, it should it should have a little bit of spin, a little bit of hold into the green. And and not, you know, uh, I, I get it. We don't want to see ball spinning off the green and different things. But, I mean, we've got to make approach shots reactive. You're going to have the creativity and the talent to hit that approach shot. Be rewarded. Yeah. No, no, I, I agree with you there. Um, so I do want to say one last thing about JT. 
JT is not a guy you leave home. There was a lot of discussion in the group chat, a lot of discussion with the fellas about who's making the Ryder Cup team this past year. And now, listen, I know the American team went over there and lost, but so has every road team, you know, since the 90s. I get it, right? But my point being is this. JT's a guy you don't leave home. He stepped up. He's shown it. And now JT is back, and I am thrilled. Yeah. I'm a big Justin Thomas fan. Justin Thomas, if you're listening to the podcast, hope you are. We are huge Justin Thomas fans on this podcast. Glad to see he's back. Yep, definitely, definitely. And now it's time. Uh, let's get into Championship Sunday a little bit. Championship uh, Sunday. Time for the picks. Please, before Justin and I give ours, if you're listening, hit us up on X. We are at the Up and Running Pod. My personal handle is on there. So is Justin's. Let us know who you think is going to be punching their ticket to the big game, the NFL's uh, culmination, a word we cannot say. They're in the end-game right. culmination uh, that wins with whoever is going to win the championship trophy, the the trophy that is named for a famous coach, another thing we cannot say. So who do you think is going to punch their ticket uh, to that Sunday in February? Justin, where are you landing for championship Sunday? Wow. So I really struggle with this. I really think that um, – I really want to bet on Detroit. Uh, I really want to would push them forward. Just don't know which San Francisco team is going to show up. Is San Francisco going to be lights out offensively and their defense just be, you know, handling the other team like children? Um, you know, I, I don't mind seeing that. I don't mind seeing great teams go out and demolish subpar teams. I don't mind that at all. But Detroit's just got some grit about them. Just has some yeah. grit. Um, you know, the coach has got grit. Um, it really is tough for me because I really think it's good. I hope it's another great game. Um, but I have to go, again, if you all saw the short on uh, on Spotify or on X, um, my son's a huge San Francisco fan. I'm going to roll with the Niners. I'm going to roll with the Niners. Um, how about you, Bob? Listen, I can't get off the Dan Campbell train. I, I, I'm pulling for the Lions. I, you know, if I'm if I'm picking with my head, obviously I think San Francisco is a, a clear favor. But I am not picking against Dan Campbell. I am not picking against the Lions. I am rooting for them. To be quite honest with you, I want to see them in there. Uh, I know a lot of people are, are definitely on San Fran. Uh, no disrespect to to Mason Hare, but I am going with Dan Campbell. Give me the Lions, punching their tickets to Vegas. So Justin. Let's flip to the AFC. Big, big matchup here. I mean, two high-profile quarterbacks, uh, dynamic playmakers. Who comes out on top? I just I think it's Baltimore. I think Baltimore's solid on, on both sides of the ball. Kansas City has struggled this season. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's not to say they haven't played great football at, at spots, but Baltimore's played great football – when they've had to play great football in the last six games. Um, you know, it, the last week of the season they took off. You know, we all know that. But they've played really, really great football. They pounded the Niners. They pounded Miami. They pounded Houston last week. And it's not much you can ask for. Um, Lamar's doing it with, with the throws. Lamar's doing it with the run. I mean, uh, yeah, with the runs. He had four touchdowns last week and two each run and pass, okay? You just aren't going to stop him 100%. So let's just say he, they stop him 50 and he counts for two touchdowns, all right? 
the Baltimore defense that I've seen the last few weeks that I saw shut down the 49ers, I don't care about injuries, shut down the 49ers, is the defense that showed up this past week. If they continue to play like they can play, which they will, they're at home in front of their crowd, which is a raucous crowd. Sure, sure. Baltimore's coming out of there. Patrick Mahomes has not had to play on the road in the playoffs until this season. He went to Buffalo. Two good teams. Say that with such hate. Well, they're they're they're, they're two good teams. They're comparable, okay? Baltimore's not comparable to Kansas City this season. Baltimore has been above and beyond what Casey has done. Again, you you can't count out Mahomes and and Reed and Kelsey and those guys. I get it. But this season, Lamar Jackson has done something incredible with that team. John Harbaugh has been a great coach. Um, I honestly think we're going to see a Harbaugh Super Bowl rerun, Um, you know, from back in the day when the lights went out. At the end of the day, Lamar Jackson gets it done. Three-point game. Yeah, listen, I'm with you. I think it's a close game. Um, I'll be honest with you. I've gone back and forth about who I'm taking. I've gone back and forth. I've picked against the Chiefs every episode, uh, and, and I'm, I don't want to pick against them again because I don't want to pick against Mahomes Magic, but I think it's an absolute shootout. I'm taking – if you're out there, take the over because life's too short to bet the under. Take the over, but I think Baltimore comes down and gets it done, but – it's hard for me to say that because I've seen – it's hard banging against Mahomes because Mahomes' magic has just shown up. I thought Buffalo was going to do it, and then I would have picked Buffalo over Baltimore. So, at this point, I am going to stick with Baltimore. I think it's a Baltimore-Detroit. So, Justin's boring. He's picking both favorites and both uh, the number one teams in the in, in the NFC and AFC. Uh, I'm going Baltimore-Detroit. Uh, we'll see if Mahomes' magic can step up and surprise us once again and, and prove me wrong again. I've been wrong plenty of times in my life. Why – you know, why stop now? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the Baltimore-Kansas City game can be the the best game. You're, you're going to see good offense. You're going to see good defense. I think San Francisco and Detroit, if it if it has weather, okay, if it has weather, it can be a nasty game. Um, maybe some mistakes are made. But it, I think they're both going to be great games. But as far as just a um, – Offense. See, I like a high-scoring offensive game where the offensive have to play well. I think in that game you're going to get two great offensive game plans, um, and it's just going to show what defense can show up and make a stop, what defense can show up and make a play. Uh, the biggest thing that that I used to say all the time when you watch, when you know, when we were watching Alabama, is who can make the pick, who can make a turnover, or who can do yeah. something on special teams. I think that's the difference yeah. in Baltimore and KC. Somebody's got to step up. Um, I mean, obviously everybody's like, well, that, that's every game, yeah, but. But in this game, you have such you have teams that have been there. You know, you've got a quarterback that's been to six straight. Okay, six straight knows how to get it done. Already has two Super Bowls, yeah. been to three. This is Lamar Jackson's first time here. Um, Lights get brighter. Knows, who who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, Lights get brighter. You know, if, if they show up like they've done all season, it's it should be an epic game. Detroit San Francisco, I think, is a good game, but I don't think it lives up to the hype that. That Baltimore and Casey has just like Casey and Buffalo yeah. lived up to the hype. I mean, it was a great game. Sure. It was had a chance yeah. in the last minute. You know, things like that. You really, really hope for in the playoffs. So, can't yeah, wait until Sunday to check both of them out. Yeah, exactly. And they're not obviously. You all know we'll be recapping that next week on our on our episode on our show here at the Up and Running Pod. In two weeks, leading up to the Super Bowl, we're going to have a unique show. We're going to have 
Uh, we're going to, Justin and I will start the show. We're going to touch on a few topics around this world and then around the sports world. And then we're going to have several guests, quick on and off guests, give their thoughts on the big game, give their thoughts on uh, predictions, bold predictions, what do they think is going to happen in the game. Also, what prop bets they're liking, uh, what things to look out for, who's excited for the halftime show. We're going to do all things big NFL game week in two weeks. Stay tuned. Don't miss our show there. And don't miss uh, the wonderful guests we got lined up for you all. Justin, I think that's a, uh, that's a wrap on episode three. I think we hit everything we needed to hit. Uh, it's always been a pleasure, my friend. Listen, we are the Up and Running Pod. Follow us on X at Up and Running Pod. Justin's there. I'm there. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Listen, before we go, also, last for the mean machine in red and black, we don't want to always be Alabama and the SEC here. Georgia Bulldogs are mourning a loss. Their mascot, the Georgia Bull, the Georgia Bulldog, passed away. I don't want to go without saying, uh, definitely, thoughts are out there with them. I know that's a tough thing. I know that's a beloved mascot and furry friend out there, Justin. Uh, any, any, anything for the Georgia fans out there? No, that's you know, I know it's it's big. I mean, you know, mascots are huge. I, I get it. Um, you know, maybe take better care of your dog. Feed some better dog food. Call Blue Chew. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you got to do, man. Like, like. <laughs> But no, seriously. I mean, it, it's it's terrible. Um, you know, they they do cherish that there. I mean, no different than the um, bull they have at Texas. So, you know, the Longhorn they have at Texas to bring out the games. Um, you know, but yeah. So that's going to be it for us, guys. Thank you, guys, for listening. I'm Mike. I'm always telling you, hey, look, do better. I can do better. You can do better. Always remember to be kind, be humble, and always be grateful. Justin. It's been a pleasure. Check out the pregame for San Francisco and Detroit this week. We'll have Mason on again for a quick 10-minute questionnaire. Uh, Have a good weekend. Go Niners.